I mean, congratulations to you too, right? I mean, we haven't really mentioned on Napcast um, your your transition or graduation, if you will. You know, do you want to tell us a little bit of that? Yeah, well, now that uh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I have. It's uh, it's July 2022 that we're recording this. But uh, actually back in January of this year, I, in a sense, graduated from Hilltop. And um, I have moved on to another school. So I essentially graduated to a new job. You did. And yeah. and you had a little bit of a ceremony, right? Like a goodbye party, maybe? Oh, yeah. It was it was amazing being in community with one another and, and seeing all the hard work and the love um, being poured out and still being poured out. That's what we are here in the business to do, to really stretch ourselves, to test our boundaries, um, as well as children's, right? It's not just ourselves. Um, uh, to prepare ourselves, not just for uh, kindergarten readiness, or in my case, the next stop of my career, but for lifelong success. Mm-hmm. And And here we are, you know, still same name of Napcast, it's still you and I, um, a new intro, um, which, you know, it's funny, like, I don't really listen to the Napcasts or no, so, absolutely not. <laughs> so I, but maybe I should catch the new intro. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's hard to listen to ourselves, but, uh, uh, but yeah, oh, we do have a new email address that everyone should be aware of. And it's, um, napcast206 at gmail.com. Hey friends, welcome to the all new version of Napcast, a podcast co-hosted and produced by Nick and Mike, two male early childhood educators of color. What is this all about? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever uttered the words, I just want to listen and learn more? then hey, you've come to the right place. This podcast is all about taking risks, leaning into your imagination, and well, being as curious as we are about how we can dismantle racism, sexism, and all the ism in our early learning environments. Oh, and this is also a place where we can kinda sorta just get weird with it. Together, we'll listen to insights and feedback from various educators of color working with our world's youngest citizens in direct and indirect ways. Oh, just the thought of that should send chills down your spine. So, are you ready? Did you turn your headphones up? All right now. Good. Let's get it. Welcome to Napcast, a Napcast produced by, uh, I don't know why I said that word, but, uh, produced by two two brothers of color, two male educators of color. I am Mike Brown, my pronouns are he, him, and I am on the traditional lands of the Kamea tribe, the first people of what is now known as San Diego, California, and I'm joined by... And what's up, everyone? I'm Nick Taronis, or Taronis, and um, my pronouns are he, him, um, and I'm still here on the traditional lands of the Duwamish in Seattle, Washington, and um, yeah, it's good to be back. Absolutely. Recording. You know, with the amount of changes that's just been happening in our world, um, whether it's a new job for me, you know, this new, exciting, personal thing happening for you. You mentioned it earlier with being engaged. Congratulations, my dude. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm really glad we get to do this episode on graduation um, and, and have a time to really reflect on all the things that have transpired over the last Uh, 10-ish months that has really helped shape us to be who we are right now in front of you. And and I kind of want to just start right there. I've had a a couple of children who have had a lot of anxiety towards, oh, I'm going to a new school, right? Well, I'm not going to be able to see such and such anymore every day and interact with you. And, you know, that brings a lot of like emotions. 
And I just want to, well, I mean, you were a toddler teacher, so let's let's bring it back to, to that to kick us off, right? How have you approached these conversations with toddlers on moving to a, another classroom, even though it's in the same building, right? Since that's where you had most of your experience. And I guess, are these kind of the same type of conversations or supports that you would give your preschoolers who have begun their transition to kindergarten? Yeah, you know, I think one thing um, that uh, I, I want to start off by like really emphasizing, like, because people always, I've asked, like, I've had people ask me, you know, how do you talk about um, Indigenous and Native people who have been on this land before, uh, you know, with young children? Um, and and my, my approach and the thing that I encourage people to do is to have pictures of those children of in the past, oh. right? And what we would do is we would put their pictures of their faces on hollow blocks or these like big building blocks. And so when a new batch of kids came in for the new year, they'd be like, who, who usually it's like, where is this kid? And like, oh, that's, that's Theo. And Theo is in um, this other room now, but they before you came here, they were here before you. And so it's really emphasizing this um, where we really start to help children un, unblur the sense of egocentricism where um, that they're realizing like, oh, this, this space existed before I came into it and that there were people before me. And, and here, here they are in this represented on, in this picture form. And so once we started getting into that practice of that, um, I would say maybe a month or, or so before kids would transition into their new class, we would say, hey, remember these kids on the, on the block that how they went to um, the whale room or whatever? Well, soon you actually might see them in the whale room because it'll be your turn to leave this room and go to the the other room and then there will be another new kid who comes in here mm. and we'll put your picture on the block too so they can see that you were here before them and then you know so it would just be a a really like being very concrete right like you will be all done in this room but you will go to another room and you can still come visit you can still come back and maybe I'll come visit you or maybe so-and-so co-teacher will, or, uh, will come visit you as well. And we'll still see each other here, here, and here. And so they get, you know, they get that idea. And then, um, and then what we would do is we would organize it with other classrooms to where we would just take, if, if a child was going or a couple children were going to the whale room, maybe myself and those three kids would go to the whale room and go play with their toys. And like, what do they have the same toys? Are they different? You know, just really hype the place up like, wow, you're so lucky you get to go to this room kind of thing. So that way, you know, it softens the blow. And for the most part, a lot of kids are like, um, they've experienced some sort of transition, right? Like coming to their new classroom um, is a transition. And and we would uh, emphasize that like, hey, remember you were um, you were a new kid coming in here. But now you'll, so you've done this already. And so here's just another time of it. And just letting them know that they have those supports. And, and I think, you know, what I would love to see more and what we're kind of doing here at Daybreak is making sure that they're, um, um, that the schools know the children that are coming into them. And it's harder because, you know, those in the elementary school side, there's just a lot more kids in the class. There's a lot more things that those teachers um, have to do. And, and it feels like uh, the bridge in early childhood between children and teachers and, and families, children and teachers, it's a short bridge, right? Like it's pretty easy for us to come together. But then as you move up each grade, that bridge gets longer and it begins to meander. And it's hard to like always come back to your, to your teacher. And, 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 and that bridge is really a, a metaphor for like establishing a really uh, authentic and substantial relationship. 
And so, you know, it would be nice to see for kindergarten transition of like kindergarten teachers really getting to know the preschool teachers who can inform them of the kids that they might have. And so when we see graduation ceremonies, right, they're typically laden with advice, which I kind of think is kind of funny because just thinking back to my own just college graduation, right? You had a valedictorian of the class and they were giving like advice about being successful in the future. And in my head, I'm like, we're the same age, unless you got like that uh, Stewie Griffin time machine, like and you went in the future and came back and like, you know, the future, how are you giving me advice? Because I literally saw you doing kickstands at a party last week. (laughs) (laughs) Let me digress. Right. So this question focuses on advice. I often think about, um, well, not, I don't think a lot about this, right. I think a lot about this in terms of this is the conversation we're having, happening. Um, but I think about there's, and I say this a lot, there's not a lot of difference between a two-year-old and a 52-year-old. Like we all want to be loved. We all want to be nurtured. We all want to be supported, valued, right? I think about the the Maslow hierarchy of needs, which he appropriated from the Blackfoot Nation. Um, So using that sort of line of thinking, right? What's a piece of advice that you'd give a child as they graduate that you would also be like, you know, probably give that same advice to an adult um i mean you've heard me say this a lot lately but like have fun Mm. like find the fun and find your joy to spark your sense of fun like what do you find joyful in because learning is is joyful right Mm -hmm. and and a big part of uh learning is remembering and i forgot i heard that recently from somewhere but Learning is remembering. And if we can remember to have fun and to find joy in particular learning aspects, then we can remember our own sense of blissfulness and and what brings us happiness. Um, And yeah, so I, I think that would be it is like, have fun with it. Find that fun. And sometimes we have to be generators of our own fun. Um, But that's, you know, maybe the really applying an optimistic lens on each new situation, positive mindset, right? And I think for me, it's about the difference between education and schooling, right? Where, how are you, yeah, you might go to a school, but that school is just a four, four walls. I mean, traditionally, right? I know there's nature-based schools, um, but schooling is four walls. It's, it's riddled with policies and and rules and all these other things but how are you actually like facilitating your own learning how are you actually uh, acquiring the knowledge skills values beliefs habits that you need in order to thrive Mm -hmm. so i just understand that yeah you might not do well in quote-unquote school because school is never set up to be successful for anyone outside of I mean, if you look at the history of school, school was in order to, you know, create workers, right, in the Industrial Revolution, right, create workers to go and do X job in a factory, Y job in a factory. It wasn't meant for the creative types. So just understand, like, this education is a lifelong process, and you might not get an A, quote unquote, because you didn't play by the rules, but, you know, know that we're, we're here to think, to create, to solve, to understand, to learn, to act, and to question. Um, and that's a, that's a significant development of your mind and of your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, or what I'm feeling right now in my mind is that uh, education is a combination, or it, it's experience, uh, relevant experiences. Right. Because, I mean, we hear the cliche and whatnot, like I learn, I learn my, I get educated on the streets or I get educated Mm on, uh, on, on, on the basketball court or the football field or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, you get. I mean, I feel like I get my education when I go backpacking and I get 
um, and I'm, and I'm hiking or whatever, or kayaking and it's whatever feels relevant to you and in that sort of, uh, connecting experiences and knowledge and what you walk away from it. Right. And you're right. Like schooling is, and, and especially from the native lens, uh, when we think about Indian boarding schools, they were used to assimilate, mm-hmm. you know, assimilate one race to be like another race, even though on, um, even though they would never, it's a, it's a system of failure because it's like, no, we'll, we can never be like that and we'll never be good enough. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to be a little selfish here. Right. And I kind of want to turn this back to me um, and uh, just go back to how we open up this conversation. Right. I talked about how I moved on to a new job um, in a new city and uh, so as someone who experienced the former, not the latter, you know, moving on to a new job not too long ago, what advice would you give me or really any adult who's moving to a new organization? Um, I think, well, the, again, like I learned so much in my, um, in my past Kung Fu presence or practices that like a lot of the philosophical takeaways and spiritual takeaways um, help keep me rooted in the present where, uh, and one of them is empty your cup, like, and, and what they would say, uh, when I, when I moved on from like, um, or when I transitioned from like, uh, one style of, um, Kung Fu called Wing Chun to Bagua, Bagua Zhang, my Shifus or, or, uh, masters would say, Yep, you've got you've got a good knowledge of Wing Chun, but we're not doing Wing Chun here. We're doing mm-hmm. Bagua, and so you need to empty your cup of Wing Chun and be ready to be filled with Bagua knowledge and so and practices. And so it's really, um, I like going from hilltop to here. I had I was cognizant of like I need to empty my cup, not empty it all the way because some of that stuff is going to serve me well, but. I can't come into a new place with a full cup and expect to for everybody to drink out of it and 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 like it. Mm. But but more of um, come come with my own particular flavors and or uh, substance to bring to the table, and be willing for other um, other other. Um, I don't know what the metaphor is, but other like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Flavors and or beverages of styles to, to fill my cup, right. Other practices mm-hmm. essentially. And, um, and when I did that though, it, it made me realize the importance of being, uh, and especially like what we talked about at the top of this, um, being cognizant to change management, right. Cause if you're coming in with a full cup, then you're expecting everybody to, to like the taste of whatever you have in your cup. But if you're, um, if you're cognizant of what is in your cup, what needs to go, what can stay, what may be relevant, what may not, then, um, then you can find that center, that centeredness that allows you to be open and to, um, and again, and again, find that sense of having fun with a new job in a new organization, um, which can, you know, I think help people bring down their guard a little bit to then where change management can happen incrementally. I appreciate that. And that's something I've just picked up from you um, even for this question, just watching and conversating with you offline around how you're approaching this process um, of just kind of sitting there and just waiting, right? Cause you, as a director, you could have came in and implemented whatever you wanted and said, it's my way or the highway, but you really took your time to be immersed in the culture, to learn from the culture, to learn through the culture before you brought in your ideas. And um, that's something that I've been trying to mirror in my in my work now over these last couple of months, especially knowing that, and as well as just also understanding that all of this is going to take time. I'm not going to learn what's happening in Georgia like tomorrow, right? So just kind of enjoying the process of, of learning and being inquisitive and being curious um, and asking questions, um, not as 
a, a thing of confrontation because I think a lot of times when you ask questions like why, right, people become defensive. But just framing it in the way of I'm, I'm just trying to learn um, from you, with you, uh, because we're trying to 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 not stay stagnant. We're not just trying to stay on the on this line. We're trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of those, one of those, uh, because I was feeling a little bit of uh, stagnation within myself in this new role, newish role, and um, and I realized like, oh, that like again, I've always said like, time is our best friend and worst enemy, and um, you know, for on for people on the outside looking in, they're like, man, this this new director isn't doing anything. Maybe uh-huh. <laughs> like, why aren't they responding as quickly or whatever? And it's like. Well, there's a lot of perspectives to take in for this particular situation. So I'm going to hear it all. And, and it's like, you know, sometimes situations resolve themselves. And, and, it, and that may sound like where it's like, oh, he's just sort of avoiding it. But what time re- uh, really started urging me is like, here are the things where you need to like, where you need to be the quote unquote director or the quote unquote boss, right. Where you got to like, just put your foot down and just be like, no, this is, unfortunately, this is the policy. And I'm not the one who wrote the policy, but this is what I have to um, keep everybody accountable towards. Um, I can ask questions for to the people who wrote the policy, but um, whatever they say, I just have to be the messenger, you know? And so, I'm at a point now where it's like, okay, I got to put on that again, quote unquote boss hat and just be like, this is just how it is. These are the expectations, you know, the, the, the organization or the school doesn't revolve around your feelings. Like this is what it is for everybody. And to, before I move on to the next question, the first thing you said really resonated with me. Um, and the thing I thought about, was or the first thing you said around other people's perspectives and it looked like you're not doing anything. I think what we need to do is and continue to do is push back against this, you know, capitalistic notion and ideas of worth, right? Because my worth is not necessarily tied into my outcomes and to my outputs. And so if we can just take a second, you know, each and every single day to say, hey, productivity for me for me, it was getting up and especially since half the time I get to work from home now, right? It's actually just getting up and putting on pants, right? <laughs> right? It's not necessarily going to 18 meetings and doing all of this and making sure I have all my talking points and all, like, it's okay to not always be goal oriented, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to get there, you know, if, if you're conscious and you're intentional or how you spend your time, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in this um, and that, that speaks to the larger schooling system, right? Of, of neoliberalism, like it has to be an outcome. Yeah. And, and one thing that you're mentioning or that you're bringing up that reminded me of another presentation that you, me, and um, Dr. Gilmore did, uh, Dr. Amir Gilmore, um, with the F- Fatherhood Council. Yeah. Or the, um, through DCYF here in Washington state, we, uh, I had mentioned that like oftentimes people confuse working a lot for working hard, Mm. but you can be, if you're like, and and that's something that where I like, like, Oh, I'm piling all these things up onto my plate. And, but I, I'm not working as diligently on all of them as I can. And and it reminds me of a saying from that TV show, Parks and Rec, if you remember with Ron Swanson. Yeah. He had some really great advice on there where he says, don't half-ass two, uh, two things, full-ass one thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, point being is like, try not to spread yourself thin by thinking working hard means adding more. And a lot of the times in education, we have to embrace the fact that less is more, right? Because we can put more intention, we can put more energy, we can, um, and, and into one or maybe a couple of things and the impacts of those things will then pay dividends down the road. 
But yeah, I think too often in our society, we, we think working more is working hard. Yeah. And I need to work hard at saying no more. Yeah. We'll be right back. These last few months have brought upon a lot of changes in Nick's and Mike's lives. New cities, new jobs, new adventures, us going independent. Shout out to all the peeps who supported us along the way. And now we have a new email address. You can email us at napcast206 at gmail.com for all your NAPCAST questions, ideas, and thoughts. And while our new website isn't quite up and running yet, you can still find us where you listen to all your music and podcasts. Spotify, Apple Music, Google, and so much more. So what should we chat about next? You tell us. And as always, thank you for listening. So my next thought is around just change, right? Because we know how scary it can be sometimes. And so I, I, I want to think about some of the ways that we see fear and anxiety manifesting in young children as, as change occurs, right? As life transition happens, preschool graduation, what do you see or, or what do you notice that might give you some pause or even might, you might even go, oh, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, in children? Yes. And considering what transitions are or when they happen. Um, usually I see it like, or had seen it and, and, and I can think about adults too. It's a, it becomes a physical manifestation, right? Like, um, and usually it's not like a, uh, I think in children, it, it can be, it can look unhealthy, whether it's like pulling out chunks of their hair um, or pulling at, uh, pulling at their eyebrows mm-hmm. and then they end up with some like bald spots in their eyebrows. Um, it could be a lot of um, toe walking like either like walking on their tippy toes a lot. Um, Cause when you think about it, like when someone is centered and grounded, their feet are firmly planted to the ground, mm-hmm. but there's something that happens in the brain that um, when they are uh, in a heightened weight, they, it, they raise up on their toes and it's yeah. almost, yeah. and it's almost like this thing where it's like they're, uh, or at least from what I've read and heard that it's like almost like you're, trying to fly away from it you're trying to escape right um and let's see i know for me what i see um especially in this new center that i was working with is anytime um something fearful or, or this transition that was happening for a while with this child is that they would become a loss of words like their ability to capture and remember some of the words back in whatever lobe is in your brain. I should probably know the course I'm teaching is on brain science um, is, you know, they, they had a hard time grasping for those words and it came out in, um, until they would rely on the words in which they use on the daily. So everything was uh, the binary notion of good, bad, black, white, um, yes, no. Um, or they would just kind of stop talking and then just kind of, oh, well, and then move on to another situation. But it was all based in this fear. Yeah. And yeah, with that, like I've seen um, children change the subject, right? Like they just avoid the topic because it's starting to bring that sense of anxiety. And then, but I also wonder, like, this is where it starts to border on that line of nature and nurture. Like how much of that is, the the person's internal sense of being versus like what is modeled to them mm-hmm. are they around adults who avoid conflict um and anxious moments or do they see adults like manage their anxiety in healthy ways and then obviously we've seen and i've been guilty of it in the past of like where it's easier to cope by imbibing in substances right um 
alcohol in particular, like to like numb particular feelings or to quite honestly, like drink it away. Right. And like these unhealthy, um, um, ways of just dealing with anxiety and stressors. And so, you know, when, if we're never given the tools as kids earlier on, or, um, and sometimes those tools are directly given to us, but it's also what's modeled to us. Then as adults, we find other coping mechanisms. And I know there's, well, I don't know, but I've heard, right, through the various presentations and then talking to people at, I think, Daybreak, um, how substance abuse, right, runs is intergenerational, or I can't remember what the, what the terminology that they're using, but how it's it's big in the Native community. And then I can't remember the reason why. Like, there's so many reasons why, right? <laughs> like, let's just, yeah, let's go ask the government. <laughs> well, I mean, it's generational trauma, right? And like part of generational trauma means that we we pass on um, generational mechanisms to deal with that trauma. Mm-hmm. And so if you come from a family of alcoholics, um, that's uh, that's always around you, then that's just what you sort of, become and we even see it on on the quote-unquote healthier end of like if you come from a family of people who exercise or go out and about in the woods and and or whatever sort of natural nature landscape then that's what you're going to continue passing on Mm -hmm. and and um and it's not just a science i mean it's not just a saying it's actually in our brain chemistry there was there are receptors and neurons that shuts on uh, or turns off or turns on depending on how you're nurtured mm-hmm. and what you're exposed to. Yeah. And then, you know, when you, and it's interesting when we think about like, I would, and this is like probably a bigger rabbit hole to dive down, but I think it's worth considering, you know, the genetic makeup of somebody, mm-hmm. like, is it a person of color who is, um, and especially I'm thinking like black and indigenous uh, people, if they've gone through generational trauma, that is pretty horrific. And they also have um, in their genetics from other races that, um, um, that imbibe in alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, then those two things come together. And then it like, it, it's almost this like, uh, it can almost feel like an unavoidable thing that just, yeah. I don't know how to really express it, but <laughs> just something to consider, you know? So there are phobias for, I feel like literally everything nowadays. And I'm sure there's probably one around like not wanting to be on the spot or put on the spot. So just thinking about how do we nurture, right, children to express their emotions, their fears, right? Um, I think rather than saying, oh, little Johnny in our class is is afraid of spiders. Is anyone else afraid of them? You know, which puts Johnny on the spot, singles him out. How do you think we can navigate a conversation like this? Like, are, are there group strategies to help the entire learning environment process fears. So Johnny doesn't feel like they are alone in this or they feel singled out. <laughs> you know, what's funny is like, um, they'll, it'll, it'll eventually be like, oh, you try to bring it to a group and you talk about it in a very generalized, non-calling out way. And the kids are like, oh yeah, Johnny, he's the one that's scared. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, we can try to avoid it, but, you know, children are very perceptive, uh, like they're knowing like why this is being brought up, but I think we need to find in a group setting, find ways to have shared control over those fears. Mm -hmm. And one of those ways that we can have shared control is like having like a puppet spider, right? Like everybody have a sense of like putting their hand inside the puppet and like maneuver. What does the spider do when it's on your body? Like, does Mm -hmm. it, how does it feel? How would the, how would the spider, like, how, how would the spider go from one friend to another? Is it going to jump? 
Is it going to fly? Are you going to crawl it over? Um, I think finding a, a way to take the subject of like spiders as the fear and finding an avenue to um, manipulate that fear, right. By giving it like a, a sense of control. And we can start by, yeah, with like a puppet or a toy um, songs, you know, obviously itsy bitsy spider. Um, and, and then really just, because I think to me, and we see it like, even when it comes down to, uh, cultural racism and different other isms, a lot of, a lot of hate and anger and things and fear is because we don't know about. Uh Right. And so if we don't know about something and no one ever gives us, um, education or the tools to know about it then we classify it we put it in a box so that way it makes sense to our own experience in reality um but if we if we learn more about something then it becomes less fearful uh, or fear inducing and so you know that like what we're talking about essentially is like an, an emergent curriculum approach yeah. to, like taking that fear of a spider and let's learn more about spiders you know, and, and what are their, what is their purpose in, in relation to us? How do they help us? Um, what can we do, um, to, to either take care of them or to avoid them? Um, and then, but also not, not trying to see it as like, this is a cure, um, or that we're trying to have it in results of getting the kid over their fear. Yeah. Right. And, but more of like, oh, it, it sounds like you just need to know more. Almost like exposure therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is that we should all take them to Australia and just drop them in there and say good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Where everything can kill you in Australia. No yeah. offense, Australia. Yeah, love you. <laughs> so let's let's keep on that like that idea, right? And talk about how do we loop the family in this? Because I think back to like that one scary recurring nightmare that I had when I was seven. And I was getting into like that, that nightmare I was having was around um, a car accident. My family died and I was a very dark child. Um, and, you know, anytime I brought those up, I was told, oh, those are dreams. It will pass. You'll get over it. All these other things. And I just kind of felt dismissed, which I think is part of the reason why I had those dreams for so long. So I wonder... Um, especially since part of the course that I'm teaching is also family engagement. Um, so it's brain science and family engagement. I just wonder about how do we um, support families in understanding that these feelings your child is are experiencing are, is real, right? It's impacting their development. Um, and, and right, just not dismissing the child's feelings. So basically, can you teach my course for me? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Actually, yeah, uh, you should have me on sometime. But um, what is uh, interesting, especially if we're using the spider example, most of the time, again, this is modeling, right? Like kids will, they pick up on the information of how to be with something and by how an adult reacts. So if there's a spider that's on the wall or walking around and the grown up in their life flips their lid, jumps on a table and is in a hypered state, they're gonna be like, oh, that thing is super dangerous. Mm. This is how I need to react. Because then maybe somebody will come and remove that thing. And this is how you get someone to remove that thing. We see it in Karen episodes when they're reacting to um, people of color, right? And they, they're like, oh, and that's why they always call for the manager because then the manager is gonna come and solve the problem or mm theoretically so they think and so and those particular things are modeled right and 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 so i would say really just giving families that advice of like what you be be cognizant of how you are around these things if you think your child has an irrational fear of something how do you react to it i can't tell you the number of times when I've just pulled it back onto the parents when they're like, why is my child doing this and this and this? I'm like, well, how do you, how do you react if there's a spider around? 
And then it clicks like, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, or like <laughs> going back to like, um, they're like, why is my child, why, why is my child fearful of black people? I've had that a couple of times. Like, How many black friends do you have? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> it's uh -huh. like, you can sure you can but the, and i've had like well we we watch movies with black people and i'm like okay that doesn't like necessarily that's not the same you know mm -hmm. as like them seeing you interact with somebody who's different looking than you and that's not the same because there's no interaction at watching <laughs> the movies right yeah. so um i think it's it's really getting to know the families and, and asking them what do you do in this situation? Um, and, and, and a lot of times it's trying to encourage families to, to just be cognizant of it and giving them a little bit of tool or yeah, a little bit of tools here and there to where they can model for their child. So as a, as we were talking, right, I'm just kind of reflecting back on the last sort of questions that I asked and I'm like, Actually, a couple of these were, were kind of negatively oriented. Well, maybe maybe that's not the word. Um, nah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, right? Because expressing emotions are negative. So I don't want to say, oh, us talking about emotions is, is negative, right? Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. No, absolutely not. I guess the word I'm searching for, how I frame these questions is maybe they weren't through a strength-based lens. Right. Yeah. But sometimes I think we need to, we have to talk about these things to to find that basis of the strengths-based approach. And, it's like yin and yang. Yeah. And 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 I I would say that the the strength is coming out of like, oh, we empower the family member. Mm. right to then help that child and and what we're identifying and maybe not a negative approach but like uh it's identifying our growth areas which we can i, I think it can be looked at through a strengths-based lens because you can only be as strong as you as your weakest link right kind of thing and so it's like when you identify where you need to grow or strengthen something then that, uh, yeah. So, I mean, they, you can't have one without the other, I think. And maybe that's our homework. Are, right? for, yeah. Maybe that's our homework for, for the audience to, to figure out where, where the things in your life and in your society um, that it's framed negatively, right? But where something beautiful could come out of that. And yeah. then, you know, on the flip side. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to bring it back to uh, the plant plant teachings thing. You know, um, we, and I'm, I've been hung. I think it's the flower of the year for me, but uh, dandelions, and maybe we've brought this up already that like that this, you can, every piece of the dandelion plant is, um, is good for the body in its own, you know, depending on how you prep it. But for a lot of us, we see it as a nuisance, right? We see it as something that just needs to go, but we don't take the time to, to figure out how this might benefit us. And so um, I forget how I was trying to connect that to exactly what you said, but that's, uh, I'll just kind of leave it there and let people connect it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you must be an educator. Um, well, let's, let's make, um, you know, I have sunflowers right next to me. So let's make sunflowers and dandelions out of our last two questions. And um, I, let's celebrate what what we have learned um, these last 10, 10 months, as well as our hopes and dreams, I guess, of the next 12 months until we do this again. Do you want, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? You start. Great. Uh, <laughs> Ah, what what have I celebrated? Um, I I think I just want to celebrate what I've learned 
from the classroom teaching and, and, and being with, with everyone in community is that it's not that I, I didn't know I was stronger than I than I thought, but I guess it's more of a of Kendrick Lamar song, We Gonna Be I. And like, you know what? There's this a lot of things happening and each and every single day and each time I wake up and I'm like, man, this sucks. We gonna be all right. Because there are there are a, a ton of people who I potentially seek out and surround myself that gives me that validation, that that is mourning, that is um, in need of healing. And they take their time to do that. And when I do, right, I, and I come back, after days, you know, weeks, months, whatever long that it takes for me to heal and get out of that rut, that they're there with open arms, ready to fight, ready to be curious, ready to to continue marching forward. And and so just that just that song from Kendrick really um, really just resonated with me over the last ten months that that we're going to be all right. And we're gonna keep we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going. Yeah. Nice reference. And that's like one of my favorite songs too. We <laughs> um I think for me it's uh it's similar to what you said, being in the strength of community, the value of slowing down and um and in those two things, like relying on community and the value of slowing down to realize what your ancestral strengths are and for that generational clarity to inform your uh, approaches to be different than, than what we're subjected to that is rooted in um, a white narrative of oppression and assimilation. Um, and really, like, I mean, you've, I think you've heard me say it, I'm like, the more that I realize that I'm like, and, and, and everything that we know about history, that's like, this country is, is more, is actually at the heart and root of things is more black and native than it is anything else. Mm -hmm. And, and there, I don't know, to me, there's a sense of like, uh, empowerment in that. And, and, um, and it leads me and really to like, just, I feel like I, uh, I've just like, I had my birthday like a month ago and, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 40 years old, but I feel, I feel better now than I did like 10 years ago. Yeah. Because I think I have a better sense of myself and what is what I want for myself. And like, and, uh, and again, like we're, uh, finding that connection of, of my past to then, like we've said, to inform my future. And the, the second part of the question, which I didn't answer about the next 12 months is where you left off is where I want to get to, or, or continue my journey on over the next 12 months is reconnecting with my roots, with my ancestors, you know, really focusing on that intergenerational healing mm -hmm. um, and fostering that, that own self of belonging and really getting rid of the, you know, cause so many times you have to code switch, you know, as, as voices of color, like, or especially if, if you're from different ethnic backgrounds and in races and you're multiracial, like, Oh, I'm not black enough and I'm not this enough. And I'm not, right. And so just kind of laying that to rest. Uh, and I see a lot of connections. You know, we talk a lot about fostering a sense of belonging for young children. And how am I also doing that for myself? Yeah. Yeah. That's and, my hope for the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, um, I feel you on that. And I would say that's what I only hope to get stronger in that in the next 12 months. And, and piece of that is like, especially reconnecting with, um, with uh my my native side like some of the language that is available 
And um, actually, I was going to try to open up with uh, uh, speaking in um, Pai. The colonized name is the Luiseno Mission Indians, but the original name is Paioco. Hold on. Paiom Kawichkum. And I would say, Mi Miuyam No Tong Nick Teronis Yaka. Which is my name is Nick Teronis. I say <laughs> Yaka is like I have stated kind of thing. And so when um it feels like like I'm I'm filling in these missing pieces of myself when I when I reconnect to that. And so in any way that I can help others, especially you, Mike, um, you know, with that, I think that's also part of the uh my 12 month trajectory. All right. So it's always a pleasure to engage um, in these conversations, these reflections with you, Nick. Um, and of course, we always want to hear what, what our audience thinks as well. Yeah. So email us at napcast206 at gmail.com. All right. Until next time. Peace.